Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. God is so good. This message is called The Greatest Mission the Universe Has Ever Witnessed. And I'll just quote some stuff here as a backdrop. Um, and I, I, just, I just love this. If Jesus were to fail, the earth and everyone on it would be doomed. So you know the story about 2,000 years ago. All the hosts of heaven watched in amazement as God sent his only begotten son on a mission. Say mission. While living on earth, God's son would take on the form of a man and give up his divine rights, as Pastor Luke said so brilliantly this morning. Get that podcast of this morning. He lived as a man. He was tempted. If he succumbed to to temptation, the mission would have been aborted and the earth and its inhabitants would be doomed. Though he lived as a man, The son's communion with his father remained unbroken. Now, that's a major fact. This is a major aspect of the life of Jesus. He was in direct connection, direct hookup communion with his father. It was amazing. I'll I'll give a couple of scriptures later that prove that. So his obedience to the father's will was nothing short of perfect. Who believes that? So... This close communion he enjoyed with his father was actually crucial to the successful completion of his mission. But the son's mission on earth was just not one mission. And I'm just amazed that this teacher of the word of God was able to tease out these 27 impossible missions. If even one failed, it would have all crashed in a heap. So he says, each one of the 27 missions has to be completed and without error during his brief life on earth. And amazingly, praise God, he did. And those teachings are from Steve, uh, Steve Scott, I think. Uh, He's a, yeah, quite an interesting guy. Um, Who was the man, Christ Jesus? You you can't follow him unless you don't know who he is. So I think this Easter we're we're going to get that wake-up call of who, and we need to consider the the humanity of Jesus, but we need to consider the deity of Jesus. So uh, some of these statements, again, he is the only, he is the one and only Son of God. Who believes that? He was sent to earth by God the Father. Who believes that? He's the only one who has come from heaven to earth. He was the only one who has seen the Father. Five, he is the eternal I am of the Old Testament. You can see actually Jesus turning up in the Old Testament. You Bible college students should know that. He is the perfect unity of oneness with God the Father. Seven, he is the Messiah, the Holy One of God. Eight, he is the King of the Kingdom. Nine, he is the teacher of ultimate truth. Ten, he is the way, the truth, the life, and the only way to God. Eleven, he is the light of the world. 
12, he is the bread of life. 13, he is the eternal judge of all humanity. 14, he is the gift of God. 15, he is the giver of, of life. 16, he is king of the Jews. And 17, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Can we give the Lord a hand right there? Yeah, who believes that? So when this name Jesus was mentioned, the name Jesus in the Bible times literally meant Jehovah saves. It meant Jehovah saves. So when first century Jews heard the name Jesus, it meant Jehovah saves. And, and so we might ask, well, why did people need to be saved from their sins? And why was the Messiah needed to save them? And if you go into the Old Testament, you can see the prophets were, were telling people constantly, you're a sinner, you're separated from God, you need to do a whole bunch of stuff to appease God, you need to, you need to subscribe to all these, apparently in the end they made up so many, there was like 10 commandments, then they added so many laws to that, there were 600 rules and regulations, 600, imagine that, if you want to come to church, uh, please uh, sign off on 600, 600 rules and regulations, you up for that, 600 rules and regulations, and that's how many you know, they added to, to the Ten Commandments. And so it was, all, it was impossible, not almost, it was impossible to be completely set free and to live in harmony with God. And, 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 and they knew this by the teachings of the Torah and, and the Old Testament and the prophets. And, and so God knew that and He sent His Son. He sent His Son to pay this, and, and the price could only be paid by a perfect human. No longer animal sacrifice was going to be uh, sufficient. God had a plan. He could reverse this contract that had been set in by Satan himself in the Garden of Eden. I've got a plan. I'm going to send my only begotten son. All of heaven is aghast. All of heaven is freaking. You're going to send your son into that hellish world? where the prince of the air is ruling and reigning and humanity doesn't want to know about God and doesn't want to even care about God and, and you're going to send your only son and believe that he will be able to resist all the temptations and, and, and get to a place where he can be sacrificed and his blood, because there's life in the blood, the Bible says. That's why the animal sacrifice worked. There was life in the blood. And there was life in the blood of Christ the purified blood of God's holiness and purity. And if that be shed, if that be sacrificed on the cross for our sin, on the cross of Calvary, that, in fact, would reverse the contract and set in motion a dispensation of grace where you are just loved, just like that. God is just going, give me a hug. Come on, give me a hug. Imagine if people knew that, that are sitting in their homes, dodging and weaving God, living in the illusion of, of, of what life has come up as, you know, uh, what do they call it? Vain imaginations, it says in the Bible. And of course, people are hiding from God. People are in darkness. And we need to pray them out of that. The debt could not be paid properly. It needed the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. And he did that so brilliantly. And we are absolutely 
Isn't that cross just, who thinks we should leave it there? Who thinks we should leave it there? I mean, I'm in fear of even going near it. I'm just, it's actually the the correct size. Apparently it's been designed. Is that right, uh, Andrew? And uh, he got it in his heart to do that. Uh, It's the right size. I think the nails, the nails are exact size. It is actually, so you can take stock of that as you're just sitting there. Amazingly, God has sent his only perfectly righteous holy son to pay off the debt of sin for all we would believe in him, for all who would believe in him. And that sin, unfortunately, everyone has it and everyone tallies up a debt of sin. You know, I know children are beautiful, but they do tally up sin. Amen. Uh, and some of us are right smiling me right now. And, uh, but it is so true. Sin is a spiritual law. It's a spiritual law that affects everyone on the planet. And it, and it needs to be paid for and only can be paid for through the power of the cross. Amen. There's, there's, um, if we look at the primary mission, the general missions, uh, Perfected by Jesus, um, there's, there's, there's 11, but I'm, I want to tease out, say, four. Is that cool? I'm going to tease out four. So the first one is this. You can take some notes down. Is to testify about the truth. Jesus testified about the truth. Let's have a look at this scripture in John 18, 37. Pilate, and this is when Jesus was confronted by Pontius Pilate, and Jesus said, Pilate therefore said to him, are you king then? Jesus answered, Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. Now that's in the New King James Version. It mightn't say that in the NIV or another version. But it actually says in the New King James Version, which I'm tending to use a lot more these days, for this cause I was born. For this mission I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. So what am I talking about? The first one I want to talk about, what was Jesus' first mission? Was to testify about the truth. And I'll say it again. For this cause I was born, for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now we need to realize why that's so critical. Simply stated, sin, since sin had entered the world, Right back at the start, at the garden, humanity has been plagued by lies and illusions. Say illusions. So I want to say this. God is as much of truth. He's as much as of truth as he is of love. He's a God of love, but he's a God of truth. Amen. God, yet for thousands of years, humanity has believed lies and lived in the illusion and darkness. People believe lies and live in delusion and in lies, in darkness. People believe lies about God, his nature, his character. They believe lies about themselves and lies perpetuated by the world, embracing, in fact, the world's values instead of God's. For example, the world's values, and I just couldn't help but think of someone 
you may be seeing in the news a lot right now who's running for government. And I'll say this again, I'll preempt it again. They believe lies about themselves and lies perpetuated by the world, embracing the world's values instead of God's values. For example, the world values success and measures it by the amount of one's material wealth. But God, you know, you know, God measures wealth by our godliness and by our heart, not outward signs, not how much money we got, how much things we got, not even how we're behaving. He measures it by our heart, amen? And he measures it for what we are doing in terms of our eternal life, that eternal fruit. Jesus said it like this, what God... What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? And he said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Luke 12, 15. He also said in Luke 16, 15, he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Wow, this is amazing. We are actually deceived by illusions and lies of the world and its values that we often love and God hates and ignore or run away from what he loves. We're actually loving stuff that God hates and hating stuff that God loves. Do you get that? But Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6.19, said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what we're doing right now. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let your treasure be, to, be towards God. Put your treasure towards God in building His church, reaching souls and supporting Garth and Jamie. They'll be back in three weeks. It's like the world's upside down. I think that there's a scripture in the Bible that says, they'll say black is white, white is black. They'll say good is bad and bad is good. These are the days that we're living in. It's unfortunate, but it surely is. Our only hope of stepping out of the illusion and the lies was for Jesus to reveal the truth and the realities of that life and the truth about life to come. Two, that's one, two, to speak the Father's words. And I mean verbatim, verbatim. So while Jesus was on earth, he was testifying of the truth, but he was speaking exactly what the Father wanted him to speak. He just speak exactly. He was such in, I mean, you remember, he was a human, but he was deity, but he was, he was relying on this unblemished life, this pure life where he was directly hooked up, directly communing with God, and he was able to respond not react, but respond, but able to speak verbatim of what Father God would do in that situation. You can study the life of Jesus and find who God is in studying Jesus. Amen? He, in fact, is God. Look at the life of Jesus. See how he responds. It's awesome. In John 12, 49, Christ revealed to his disciples, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me, commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I'm amazed at this. You know, Jesus made more than 1,900 statements. Imagine being bang on with 1,900 statements that were recorded in the New Testament that exactly in such purity, no defilement, no corruption, he was able to 
just exactly verbatim speak the heart of God into every situation. And we actually live by those truths our Christian life. Amen? So when you go to the Revelation book, uh, chapter 19, John tells us that an angel appeared before him. John fell to his face in worship. But the angel told him, do not do it. And explaining that he was a fellow servant among those who have the testimony of Jesus. We might just go there. Revelations 19 verse 10. Yeah, thanks. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. Don't, don't, the angels say, don't worship me. I am your fellow servant, the angels actually saying to John. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Does that say it there? No, it says it. Can you put up the New King James Version? Oh, it does say it. The spirit of prophecy. Oh, no, that's good enough. That's good enough. So prophecy, prophecy is about speaking about Jesus and it's, it's emoting and it's appealing for people to get back to Jesus. And that's what Jesus was doing when he was speaking. He was saying, you need to get back to the Father and you've got to come through me. So Jesus was actually a servant to God the Father. And he was speaking on, God the, on behalf of the Father. And at times, of course he did. He said, you need to come through me. I'm the way, the truth, the life. But any prophecy is about just that. It's a spirit of, of, of what does it say? A spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Jesus. Every time we prophesy over you, precious people, we're trying to introduce Jesus into you. And as we speak, we're saying, we're constantly deferring to this. We're constantly deferring to Jesus and the good news. We're constantly deferring to Christ. When we prophesy, when we preach, and didn't Luke do a great job this morning? It was all about deferring to Christ. Because people need Christ. We will help you get to Christ. I will do everything, 40 days of fasting, for you to get a breakthrough in the presence of God and for the church. But if you say, yeah, whatever. Anyone can have this. Anyone can have truth. Anyone can have that breakthrough if you make a beeline to Jesus. If you end up pulling short of Jesus, end up in a church where, it, it behaves like, where we behave like Christians, and, and, and yeah, we're seeking out God, but you don't make a beeline to Jesus. That's where you've got to get your Bibles out. That's where you've got to pray. That's where you've got to break through and get, and get fasted, fasting and praying maybe. You really got to get to Jesus. Jesus is your B-A-R bar. We used to play chasens and it was B-A-R bar. We're safe. But if you try and run up to me and say, I'm safe, and you're going, what are you doing? Oh, the devil's chasing me down. Temptation's got me by the, we won't say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I can pray for you. But how's Jesus in your life? Do you need to get saved? Do you need to recommit your life to the Lord? I'm serious about this stuff. I am accountable to everybody in this church. Everyone that I'm looking at right now, if I was to and meet with Jesus, the Bible says that I'm accountable to every single person in this church, every boy, girl, man, woman, child, doubly accountable, doubly. The Bible says double accountable. Am I mindful of you? Have I spoke to you in no uncertain terms? That's why sometimes I don't beat around the bush. 
I just say, man, you need this. I'll say that if I'm in the anointing. Maybe if you meet me down the shops, I won't say it. But if you meet me in the anointing like this, I'm bold as a lion. I'll say, you need to stop doing Facebook right now. You need to put the phone down. It's a dumb phone. If you think it's a smartphone and causing you a division between God and hearing the word of God, it's a dumb phone. Get rid of it. Because it, if you're lost in cyberspace, you're lost in a false world. If, you're, if, you're, if you can't be in the now of the presence of God right now, if you can't bring yourself in from the airways of, of, of the world, if you can't bring yourself in from all your friends, if you can't bring yourself in from yesterday, tomorrow, if you can't bring yourself in and bring yourself into the now and hear what God is saying to you right now, even reading between the lines of what I've even saying, but even feeling impacted by God's Spirit right now and letting truth and letting the light of God explode over you and you realize, oh my God, it's true. Jesus died for me. Unless you do that because Jesus is in the now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Is that cool? And if, you, if you've got no substance of believing that God is in this house, if you've got no faith to believe that God is in this house, you've got no substance. Faith is the substance. Do you believe Jesus is here right now? Can I ask you that? Is his presence here right now? Or is he giving us a wide berth? Is it true that when two or more are gathered, there he is? Is it true? Is it true when you got saved, Jesus come rushing into your heart and gave you a down positive of the Holy Spirit? Is that true? If we did spiritual surgery on you, opened you up and looked at your spirit, is it alive to God? Yes. When you, are, when you realize the stark realities and you bring yourself in from the illusion of the world and, the, and, and all the, the lies of every, everything that's speaking to you, and, and we're getting lied to all the time, amen? All the time. And, 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 then, and then we're being bombarded by all these falsities. If you don't protect yourself, if you don't protect yourself and live in the now of Jesus, three, Jesus was to be the light of the world so his followers can walk in light. Jesus said in 8.12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So it just simply wasn't enough to just to tell the truth. He had to turn on this major light, like those big spotties at the baseball games or the stadiums. Is that right, Dave? You love baseball, don't you? Or what do you like? Football? What are you into? You're into that big NFL gridiron. I've seen your updates, yeah. But I'm telling you, I've been in those stadiums where they switched the light on. That was exactly what Jesus did. You could have been sleeping in your bed. And if Jesus walked through your town, he would have woke you up just by the sheer brilliance. Because he was so in perfect harmony with God, light was emanating from him. When he spoke truth, it exploded lies off people's life. It exploded illusions off people's life. People were brought to the reality 
of their present situation. The light came in such force, it, it, it just dispelled the darkness. How much light do you need to dispel darkness? But how much light did Jesus have? That's why it's reached to the farthest flung corners of the globe. I remember we were in our um, young family, three children at that time, and uh, must have been 20 years ago, Tarago, going north was a country road, and we're pulling in late to stay somewhere. It's one horse town, Urella or something, something like It's where one of the bush rangers got shot, I think. And um, that's all I know. I found that out the next day. How? Because on the way there, I was about 10 k's away from that town. Uh, we were going to land there and then stay the night and then move on. But guess what happened about 10 o'clock at night? The Turago lights just slowly dimmed and went out. And I, and, and I realized my alternator's gone. Oh, no. And this is just wilderness. It's bush. It's so scary, dark. It, and then I realized there was a truck in front of me. And I said, Jules, I've got to follow that guy. So what do you mean? I said, my lights are gone. I don't know what's happened. I've got no lights. And so I quickly raced up to the backside of this truck. And I started to follow this very fast truck for 10 k's. And Julie's freaking. The kids are like, what do we do? Why are we falling so close with that guy? Well, there's no way I was going to be caught out in the dark. And there was no way I wanted to be stuck calling the NRMA at odd hours at night. I knew he was my light. I, I knew that was my only light. And I followed him up, down, round and round. This guy was ridiculous. Trust this truck driver to be the most ridiculous driver, scary driver. But I followed, I followed. And finally, this guy must have thought I was a lunatic. Why is this guy following me? Why, I think he was trying to shake me in the end. And, and, and finally pulled into this small town. And, um, <laughs> and uh, we got there. And, and the funny part of this story is the hotel we stayed in reminded me of Norman Bates' hotel. It was so run down. It was so dirty. Julie said, I'm not staying. She actually walked straight. I'm not staying in this hotel. This is the most <laughs> tragic, dirty and, and besides which, Norman Bates is dressed as a woman up there. And I, I, I don't know if you watched the Psycho movie, but it, it's a pretty scary movie. It's... <laughs> he didn't settle for just telling us the truth. He proclaimed it in such a way that it could be clearly heard and understood. He had to provi provide such a bright light that it would open the eyes of those who were spiritually blind. And beyond proclaiming the truth, he demonstrated it. Jesus' life was ultimate example of living the truth every moment. Jesus' words in life were a, a beacon of light that followers could follow as they journeyed through a spiritually dark world. That's why he said in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amazingly enough, his light was so bright that just people flocked to it. Just people flocked to it. But... Jesus said, these are his words in the scripture 3.19. Unfortunately, he, he infers in this scripture, according to Jesus, human nature loves darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. John 3.19 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And, you know... Darkness was appealing because they could hide in darkness. 
They could get away with blue murder almost. They, they could carry on with their deluded life. It was a natural habitat to do sin. To walk into the light, you know, it's not an option for them. They want to live in their corrupted life. So Jesus said again in that scripture, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, that's me, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And I guess that's why Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and said, you need a new nature, you need to be born again. You need, you need to, be, you, to, to really be able to buy into this, to live into it, to live in the presence of God, to live in the, light of the, in the truth and the light of God. You need a new nature. Your, 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 your flesh is rebellious to this reality. Your, your flesh is rebellious to wanting to live in the light of the glory of God. When you get saved, it's amazing. You just want to hang out with God. You just want to hang out in the light and go, man, everyone loves going to the beach, you know. You go to Twin Bay, I see your photos on Facebook and you love hanging out. Wow, the summer's gone. What a great summer it's been. Everyone loves the, the summer. Why don't we say that about Jesus? Man, I love hanging out with Jesus. Wow. I was hanging out with Jesus. Yeah, man, 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 look how sunburned I got. Wow. Man, just, you got, I got so blessed, man. I got so blessed. Well, that's, that's how we live. And because why? How? Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And even if you're struggling and doing hard yards, he wants you to hang out with him. He's not condemning you. He's only constantly reframing. You can say, oh, I'm down. I'm defeated. You might be like Peter. Peter, I failed you, God. I failed you. How could you even want to know about me? They said you wanted to catch up with me. Peter, it's cool, man. You're a human. That's what humans do. Don't, don't, don't get... You know, all caught up on that. You, you, you fail, but I'm here to reinstate you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to, to comfort you. I'm here, it's all good. Uh, you know, he doesn't rouse on you and say, you need to get your act. Oh, I'm not going to trust you again. You betrayed me. It's all, hey, I understand. I understand. And I, I love it. That's why it's such a great comeback. Peter. Four, last one, to be the bread of life, which gives life to all who partake of him. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.